Welcome to Ask the Expert with noted radio host Steve Sleeper. Each week, Steve interviews entrepreneurs and professionals and shares their intriguing stories of success and service. Now, here's radio veteran Steve Sleeper. And welcome to another edition of Ask the Expert. Today, we've got Abraham Cool with the law firm of Young, Jacoby, and Cool in Kansas City. Abe, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well, Steve. How are you doing? Well, I, I, I can't complain. I tell you what, uh, the weather's pretty good here in the Midwest. I'm in Omaha. You're in Kansas City, so basically the same part of the, same part of the geography, and we're having a pretty nice uh, pre-spring so far. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, Abe, tell me a little bit about your firm and yourself. Yeah, certainly. Well, our firm, the law office of Jim, Jacoby, and Cool, is a law firm dedicated to the practice of family law. Uh, we've been in business for roughly 25 years, founded by uh, the main partner, Jim Young. Uh, he was previously working for a firm and basically took some of the strengths and qualities that he learned as a young associate and decided to go out on his own. And uh, from then on, he kind of built our firm up and brought in Michelle Jacoby. Um, several years ago, uh, I joined the firm while I was still in law school, and uh, we've just been expanding ever since. I've been with the firm now for eight years, and we partnered up in uh, January of 2014, and that's why we're now the law office of Young, Jacoby, and Cool. Uh, practicing solely in the area of family law, uh, we cover all aspects that would involve the family, ranging from your dissolution of marriage, commonly known as a divorce, uh, modification of custody, modification of uh, support, uh, name changes, adoptions, um, guardianships, paternity actions, you name it. Basically, if it touches upon the family, we can help it. Uh, we cover all different counties uh, in the area on both sides of the state line. So from Lee Summit uh, or Blue Springs, which would be in Jackson County, over to Leewood or Overland Park, which would be in Johnson County, Kansas. So yeah, we cover uh, just about anything in the greater Kansas City metropolitan area, but often find ourselves going outside of the area as well. A um, little bit about myself, um, I'm originally from Omaha, so uh, born and raised in Omaha, went to Ralston High School and then on to Creighton University where I graduated in 2004 before going on to law school down at the University of Missouri-Kansas City School of Law. Well, that's great. Well, I, di- I, didn't know, I didn't know you went to Ralston. I actually live in Ralston. It's, it's a small world, isn't it? No, it, it really is. Yeah, it really my, is. My, yeah. my, my daughter graduated from, from Ralston High. I'll be darned. Well, yeah. Well, we talked about the services that that you offer as a law firm. What what should we be looking for in a family lawyer? Give us some tips there. And that's a great question because um, the choice of a lawyer is such an important decision. Um, too many people base it on what they see on television or an advertisement. And this is actually a question we get asked all the time. So because of that, we kind of try to find a, a response that we feel is appropriate. But at the end of the day, it, it's based upon your specific needs. You have to find someone that you are comfortable with, someone that you trust, someone who's knowledge, knowledgeable in your specific area. Um, for me personally, if I'm going to have my eyes checked, I'm not going to go to a foot doctor. I'm going to focus on someone who practices in my area, someone who knows kind of the court system, someone who knows uh, the other attorneys in the area. I'm just sitting at my desk right now. I have a paperweight that says, a good lawyer knows the law, a great lawyer knows the judge. And and that's never more true than in family law. Every judge is slightly different. Uh, They have their own uh, tendencies, their their own preferences. So if you're going in and arguing the same thing over and over again, 
Well, that may work for one judge. It may not work for another. So you want to find an attorney that's versatile. So basically someone you know, someone you trust, someone who's knowledgeable in the area, but someone that can adapt to your specific specific needs. Let me ask you, Abe, uh, divorce, uh, yeah, it's a tough thing. Do, do folks wait too long to file for divorce? Well, it, it's it's really difficult to say um, because, again, it depends on, on the the facts and circumstances. Some people stay a little longer than they probably should um, for the best of reasons. They may be thinking that staying is actually helping the family or, or not trying to cause too much chaos or turmoil for a child. So a spouse may stay longer than they they probably should, uh, thinking that what they're doing is right, but in all actuality, they may be causing further harm um, unknowingly. Uh, other times, um, if people have a concern about someone, but they don't address it, they're concerned about their spouse is doing something, but don't take any affirmative steps to address it, then, yeah, I would say that's probably staying a little too long. But at the same time, if you... You want to exhaust all of your remedies, exhaust all means to try to salvage the relationship because it's really difficult to unring that bell, so to speak. If if you say, I want a divorce, and then you end up reconciling, well, the next time there's an argument that comes up, the other spouse will be thinking, wow, is this the one where they're going to ask for a divorce again? So it, it's really difficult to answer. Sometimes people do stay a little too long. Other times people aren't ready to... Um, to, to end the relationship. Mm-hmm. So it, it really truly depends, but I could see that going both ways, but I think oftentimes um, we do find that people stay a little bit longer than they probably should have. Um, but then again, it, it's it's hindsight and it's easy to see it from this side of the fence. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and but, you know, I think this leads into my next question, which what are the grounds for divorce? Yeah, and Missouri is what's considered a modified no-fault state. So the standard to get a, a dissolution would be you, you simply state that the marriage is irretrievably broken and it cannot be preserved. So other states have a fault-based system in which you have to prove infidelity or uh, domestic violence or, or, or things of that nature. But in Missouri, you don't have to do that. So if someone thinks the grass is greener on the other side, they can do that. If um, it's been 25 years together and they realize that they grew together um, as a mom and dad, but not necessarily as a husband and wife, now that the kids are out of the house, they don't really know their their other partner. That happens all the time. So in essence, if they if one party believes that the marriage is irretrievably broken, they they simply state that and they can move forward with that. Um, there are some limited circumstances where people could object to that or disagree with that, and then you'd have to provide some specific instances as to why you believe that would be the case. But it, in essence, if one person states that it's over, it, it's it's going to be found that way. I see. Okay. Do, do you ever go to mediation? I do. I, I go to mediation uh, quite a bit. Um I, I conduct my own mediations. I serve as the mediator, but um, I also find that during some cases, it's best that the lawyers are not there. I think sometimes um, parties are are able to make decisions without fear or without, um, I, I guess, hesitation. You know, with um, you know what their attorney may interject or. 
my attorney says this or my attorney says that. I think if you have the attorneys present, sometimes it's really the attorneys arguing or trying to resolve the conflict, so to speak, whereas if you have the parties going by themselves, they can truly meet with a neutral third party. Um, so it, again, I know it sounds like a broken record, but it really does depend. Um, I do tend to go to mediations on a regular basis. Uh, we do a lot of um, high-dollar um, asset cases. Um, so with that, sometimes it's helpful to have uh, an attorney that's kind of skilled in that area who can kind of mainstream the issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I had an attorney one time tell me that a, a judge said, you know, I can cut this thing with an axe, or if you go to mediation, you can use a surgeon's scalpel. Uh, it's 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 going to be less painful if you do it that yep. way. You know, so. I, I completely agree. I think with mediation, you have a whole different set of tools than you do at litigation. Litigation, the court is bound by the statute. The court's bound by case law. The court's bound by the higher courts. So if the court of appeals says I have to do this, you know, I have to go through with this. Uh, this is the process. This is what I must do. Well, they don't want to be overturned on appeal. Um, but at mediation, you can be a little more creative. You can craft uh, solutions that the judge may not be able to. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, good point. Alimony, do you see that much anymore? Um, we, we still see that. In Missouri, it's called maintenance. Um, in essence, it's still on the books. Um, there are some trends um, moving away. There are some House bills that are presented to the legislature on a regular basis that seek to limit it. Uh, other states have a formula. Uh, if you were married for X amount of years, then you get X amount of um, years worth of maintenance. If you were uh, making X amount of dollars and your spouse is making Y amount of dollars, you'll pay a percentage of the difference. Um, other states have those formulas. Missouri, it does not. Missouri looks at a number of factors, uh, ranging from the length of the marriage to the disparity in the party's incomes, but also the conduct of the parties, um, whether or not one party uh, has the ability to meet their reasonable needs, whether or not the, the party that would be ordered to pay has the ability to pay. Um, so we still have um, a lot of, um, I, I guess, question marks uh, out there as far as how much maintenance will be or for how long it will go for. But a lot of judges try to um, be consistent with that. Some judges are, are not big maintenance judges. Um, you kind of know that early on. If you're in front of a judge that's not inclined to do maintenance, well, you may want to try to do a change of judge early on. Uh, likewise, um, if you're the party seeking maintenance, that is. Um, other times, there there could be creative alternatives to maintenance that people come up with, you know, perhaps reallocating some of the debts to the other party so that, you know, it's a cash flow issue. If you need maintenance to meet your reasonable needs because you're paying all this debt, well, if the other party takes on the debt, well, you may not need the maintenance. So while it's still out there, um, there are some trends to try to start moving away from it. But in essence, their they're, maintenance is still a necessity to some people. Um, you know, I have cases on a regular basis where there's just such a gross disparity in the income. If a party put their career on hold and stayed at home to raise the children while the other party was uh, out there and able to further their education and their career, and then after 30 years of marriage, they probably shouldn't be left high and dry. You know, so you know, I certainly understand the, the claim for maintenance, and you know, we represent people on both sides of it. So 
I do think it's um, it's still out there. It's not as prevalent as it may have been in the past, but it, it's still definitely um, definitely out there. Yeah, it's it's still there. Um, custody. Now, you know, years ago, it seemed like it was always mom. Um, do, do you see more joint custody now, or uh, what? What do you see? With the kids. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up. This is a conversation I have on a daily basis. Um, back back in the day, you're correct. Uh, moms usually got custody. Dads got visitation, which was basically every other weekend. Well, in Missouri, we no longer use that terminology. We kind of break it out a little bit. Yeah, I'm not saying it's necessarily the most easy to say language, but in essence, custody is broken down into legal custody and physical custody. So a common vernacular that we use would be joint legal and joint physical custody and mother's address designated as the children's address for mailing and educational purposes. That's the same as what used to be when mom got custody. I see. But in essence, when we talk about custody, we look at legal custody, which has to do with decision-making. Uh, so should mom and dad share decision-making? Should we have a conversation about whether or not little Johnny gets braces or whether or not Sally plays basketball. If we have those conversations, well, that's going to be joint legal custody. Mm -hmm. um, the vast majority of cases end up being joint legal custody. Um, for someone to not even have a say in whether or not their um, children have you know, medical treatment or care or whether or not they should um, have any input with their education, it's really a high standard to meet. Um, there, there's typically either a, a showing of some extreme breakdown in their communication that shows that there's no commonality of beliefs, um, or there's um, a, a, an endangerment standard that would typically have to be met. Um, but those are things that um, I would say 90% of the time we don't even encounter the vast majority of the cases end up being joint legal custody. Uh, with regard to physical custody, joint physical custody by definition is, is simply that the children would enjoy a frequent meaningful relationship with both parents. So it doesn't necessarily mean 50-50. So if we're looking at joint legal and joint physical custody and mom's address designated for mailing and education purposes, that's the same as, like I said earlier, one per person receiving custody, the other receiving visitation. So joint legal, joint physical custody and mom's address being designated could be the same as dad having just every other weekend. We just call it joint custody. Oh. So, you know, this is a big educational um, piece that we have to give at the beginning of every consultation is oftentimes we have a parent coming in and saying, I want full custody or I want primary. Well, we don't use those terms anymore. So we have to be using the same terminology. Um, and if it's joint legal, joint physical custody, just at the outset, that doesn't have anything to do with parenting time. If we're saying it's frequent meaningful contact and we share decision making, that could be 50-50 time. It could be a week on, week off. It could be two days a week with one parent, um, the rest with the other. It could be 2-2-3-3 two, two, three, three, or 2-2-3, you know, 2-2-3, two, two, three, two, two, three, uh, that rotation. It could be a 2-2-5-5 two, two, five, five rotation. Um, so it, it's really... Um, it's an interesting language that we use when determining custody, but I think it's helpful to educate the clients at the beginning of that. But I would say that the majority is going to be a joint custody arrangement and then allocating parenting time, which is typically going to be as little as every other weekend, as high as 50-50 time. Is there still such a thing as child support then? There is. Yeah, child support is still... Uh, 
well and alive. <laughs> so um, that is one area where we do have a, a calculation for. In Missouri, it's called the Form 14. Uh, it's based on the Supreme Court Rule 88.01, and it's, it's on the books in our statute as well under 452.340. So in essence, child support is a math formula where you plug in uh, the mother's income, the father's income, you plug in whether or not there are other factors such as child care being paid, health insurance, um, and so on and so forth. There, there are about 12 lines that are on the child support guideline, um, 11 of which require some input from you. And the last line would just be the number that comes out at the end. So um, child support is alive and well. It's based on what's called the income shared model. So the income shared model would basically say that you know a child whose parents have a combined monthly gross income of blank requires a blank amount of support. And it's just a giant Excel spreadsheet, a giant grid, and then that gives the basic child support amount. And then from there, we start deviating based upon the amount of time with each parent, based upon who's carrying the health insurance, who's carrying the child care, whether or not there are other children involved, um, such as in a modification if one parent has uh, had remarried and has another child. Um, those things are all factored in, and basically it, it spits out a number. So, yeah, child support is, is still alive and well. In Missouri, it goes until 21 if the child is in college. Otherwise, it would end upon emancipation, which is typically 18 unless the child is you know, in the military or um, becomes self-supporting and a parent relinquishes control, gets married, um, things of that nature. Your law firm is unusual, young, Jacoby, and cool. I, I introduced you as being from Kansas City, but uh, you actually have an office in Leewood, Kansas, and uh, Lee Summit, Missouri. So you're you're covering both Kansas and Missouri. Um, anything unique about the divorce laws in each state? We we talked a little bit about grounds for divorce in Missouri um, being you know somewhat different than some other states. So what else can can you tell me, Abe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are a lot of differences between the two, which um, we do have an office in Kansas and we have an office in Lee Summit, and they're only 30 minutes away from each other. Um, they might as well be worlds apart. Yeah. You know, I can, I, I can, if I'm practicing Missouri law, in theory, it's going to be the same whether I'm in St. Louis or Kansas City. Now, there will be different local court rules and different tendencies and trends and, and whatnot, but in essence, the legal standards are the same. Um, the grounds for dissolution are the same. The property division is based on the same statutes and, and so on and so forth. When we're looking over at Kansas, procedurally, it's going to be very different. Um, Kansas has some different mechanisms in place um, where you can get expedited hearings a little easier. Um, they often have um, kind of a situation that could result in, in essence, a race to the courthouse steps. Um, Missouri um, doesn't quite have that. Um, it, it's still there's still a sense of urgency. Uh, don't get me wrong, but um, there, there are all sorts of differences and nuances between them, um, between the the two different states. And it's funny because we are so close. Um, I mean, we we have an office in each. We have a state line that we're 10 minutes away from either side. 
Um, and it's one market but, essentially. You know, that's what that's what's unusual about Kansas yep, City. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if someone's living on state line, they're they're one mile east of state line. Their laws are governed under this. They're one mile west of it. They're governed under that law. And um, and, and that that happens all the time when people move. Um, you know, it, we have a large company down here called Cerner. Well, Cerner has a couple different locations. Cerner has an office over in Kansas. They have one over in Missouri. If someone gets transferred over there, well, do they then have to end up being governed under a different set of laws? Um, you know, it, these are issues we come up with all the time. And because of that, we have to be familiar with certain um, overarching laws, such as the Uniform Child Custody Jurisdiction Enforcement Act, or UCCJEA. Uh, we have UFSA that pertains to child support enforcement. Uh, we we have all sorts of different laws we have to be aware of. Um, just dealing with multiple states. Um, also looking at some forum shopping. Oftentimes people will separate and then one person will move to a different state because it's more advantageous for them to file there. Um, in Missouri, for instance, child support will go longer than it does in Kansas. Um, so some people want their matter heard over in Missouri. Others um, don't. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting um, because they are so unique. Um, but in essence, it's uh, I, I think it's great that states are able to kind of have their unique laws and what works for them. And uh, even though you know we're only ten minutes away, you know they, they are very different. That's a you know, tale of two markets, tale of two cities. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious, Abe. What's the most common question you get? Whoa, that's that's a good one. Um, I I would say there are really two common questions uh, that I see on a regular basis. One's typically pertaining to the kids. Um, how much time will they have to see the other parent, or how much time will I get to see my kids? Is one, and the other is uh, how much money will I have to pay? Um, a lot of times that money question it transcends over a number of different lines, whether that's child support or whether that's paying out of a retirement account or equity out of the home. Um, if the breadwinner is concerned about you know, finances, um, they're looking at it as kind of a global package. You know, I, I can pay X amount of child support, but I can't pay all that money and maintenance and give her half my retirement, um, so to speak, if, if it was the male. Um, with regard to um, children, the parenting plan is um, something that a lot of people really do focus on, and rightfully so. It's it's something that's very important. Um, so that's one of the questions that we deal with on a regular basis, and that's why we get started on a parenting plan very early, um, is we want to make sure that we're we're kind of out there ahead of it and make sure that the client's comfortable with whatever the parenting arrangement ends up being. Um, we want to get out get out ahead of it and get a draft going and, and make sure we're all operating under the same um, I guess terminology, and that way they they know uh, they're in the know as to what they can expect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how how do we reach you, Abe? Well, um, I'm actually really easy to get a hold of uh, because our firm has a couple different telephone numbers. We have our website. Our website's www.yjklaw.com, um, and on there uh, you'll see uh, links to uh, reaching us by email. There, we have by biographies about each of us. Um, our telephone number in Missouri is area code 816-246-9981. That's the Lee Summit office. Over in Kansas and Leewood, we're at, uh, available at 913-827-4101. 
I know it's a little outdated, but you can fax us if you'd like. Uh, we have 816-246-9987 as a fax number. Um, but yeah, email is really easy to get a hold of. Like I said, A-K-U-H-L at yjklaw.com would be the, the best email address, um, but that ties in with our URL of www.yjklaw.com. And our guest today on Ask the Expert has been attorney Abraham Cool with the uh, law firm of Young, Jacoby, and Cool, two offices in the Kansas City metro area. Abe, thanks for being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. Thanks for listening to Ask the Expert with Steve Sleeper. Join us next time as entrepreneurs and professionals share their intriguing stories of success and service.